Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. So Lord, we just thank you, God, for meeting us. We thank you for uh, what you've done on Christmas, that Emmanuel is God with us. And Lord, let us not forget as Eric was saying, uh, who you are and what you've done and the extent of your love for us, that the great king of heaven would come down to earth to be with us, to humble himself. Lord, we thank you for that, that we may be saved, that we may know you and walk with you. We ask God that your Holy Spirit would speak to us right now. Open our hearts to what you want to do. I know that you have something to say to every single person here. So we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to show us, to teach us, to speak to us through your word. And I pray those things that aren't of you, that they just fall away, but the things that are of you, Lord, that they'll rise up within us, uh, that they'll be fanned into a flame, and they'll change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, my daughters and I went and saw the new Black Panther, and uh, that was pretty good. Um, not as good as the first one, in my opinion, but it was good. And, um, you know, but one of the things that's kind of sad about Avengers is like a lot of our heroes, um, they're, they're gone, right? Like Iron Man's dead, and... Uh, of course, Black Panther from uh, real life circumstances, and uh, they just kind of changed. And so I was doing a little research, and I found out that um, uh, Captain America in the comic books is he's actually died ten different times. And so you don't have to be too worried because it seems like they just come back. In fact, sometimes like his brain will get loaded on like a like a little flash drive, and you know they'll restart him. Or I mean, there's all sorts of different ways he goes. And then uh, Iron Man, he's died five times, and uh, Thor, he's died uh, nine times. So it's just kind of like what happens. And so there's two lessons that we learn from Marvel uh, with their heroes. And the first one is, as long as the comics are bringing in revenue, the heroes will never die. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is, it's just we can't let go of our heroes. We can't, we got to have Captain America, right? And it's so hard for us to see our heroes fade. I've actually been experiencing this uh, in um, my own life. Maybe it's just because of the age that I'm at right now, but just kind of some of the spiritual heroes that we've had in our nation are, are just in my, you know, I'm looking out there, I'm like, who's pastoring America? We used to have some of these, like Billy Graham, I would say he like pastored America. Or, or maybe, I don't know, Chuck Swindoll. You, I mean, you, you say whoever it is, Rick Warren for a while, seemed like he was pastoring America. You know, he just retired and Bill Hybels or whoever, you put the name in there and, and I'm kind of looking around like, well, who, who's doing it now? I mean, who, who's, who's the hero? Who's our champion? You know, maybe Greg Laurie would be one that, in my mind, that's still left, that's still going, but it's just, you, you watch it, them fade, and, and here's something, there's something in us that wants to have a hero. We want to have somebody that we look up to and like, okay, they're leading the way, they're taking us where we need to go. And you know what? Israel was uh, pretty similar. We see that uh, God comes to Israel and he brings them into, uh, into the promised land, and he says, okay, I am your king. I'm the one that you're going to look to. And then so judges come in and out through the book of Judges and, you know, the Israelites fall away and he sends these prophets and judges to bring them back. And they have a tough time letting God be their king. So they get to a place finally where they say, you know what, we want our own king. We want a human king just like everybody else. So if you have your Bible, let's check this out in 1 Samuel chapter 8. We'll start with verse 4. And it says, so all of the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, which is this really sweet thing to say to a leader, you're old, 
You're old. And your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. So we want to be just like everybody else. Everybody has a king. Where is our king? And of course, God would say, well, I'm your king. And they're like, nah. They, they said, give us a king to lead us. And this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected. But here's the heart of it. They have rejected me as their king. As they have done from this day, I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me, serving other gods, so they are doing this to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king will do who will reign over them and what he will do. So they have rejected, God says they've rejected me as king. That's the problem. And here is the tragic result of our sinful nature. I mean, this really is what sin is. It's to throw off the lordship and the kingship of Jesus. It's to say, I don't want you to be my king. I don't want your rule and I don't want your reign. And he is such a king that he allows us to make that very choice right now. That on this earth, you and I could say, no, thank you. And I mean, it's just part of us, isn't it? I mean, especially part of Americans, right? How, how, do, we, how do we respond to words like submit, obey, rule, reign, serve, right? I was like, ugh, no, no, thank you. I want to be my own king. Now, we read a little bit more about the Psalm 2. This is such a powerful passage. If you have a, your Bible, go there to Psalm 2. And, and we read about how this, this isn't just an Israel problem. It's not a you problem or me problem. This is a, this is a world problem. This is a, a human problem. And Psalm 2, verse 1 says this. Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? The kings of earth, so these kingdoms, us down here on earth, we take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord, against his anointed one. And this is what we say, let us break their chains, throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs, the Lord scoffs at them, then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy one. Now, the Hebrew for anointed one there is Messiah. It's Messiah, my anointed one, my chosen one. I have set him up as king. God says, I have taken the Messiah, Jesus. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And how do the nations respond? They say, well, let's throw off his chains. We don't, we don't like this yoke that he's putting on us. We don't, we don't like what this king is requiring of us. So you see, sin nature brings us to a really hard place where we want a champion. We want someone to provide for us, protect us, take care of us, but we don't want them to come in and tell us what to do. And we are rejecting the one, the king, the Messiah, who rightly holds that title. Our heart cry is give us a king, but anyone except the anointed one, anyone except the Messiah. Give us a king who will protect us, provide for us, lead us, but not one who will tell us we're wrong. Not one who's going to force us to actually change and deal with the heart of rebellion that is deep within us. And that, of course, is what the Messiah, what the anointed one does. See, I'll take whatever king you want to give me as long as I get to, in the end, get to rule my own castle. And Jesus, he says, actually, to be your king, I want to rule the most inner parts of your castle. I want to be Lord over the deepest parts of your soul and your heart. 
And it's not just some things, but it's everything that you bring under to the lordship of Jesus Christ if he is going to be your king. I want to reign over your soul, not by force, but by imitation. And so then we read, let's pick up where we left off in Samuel here. We read what a king does. We read what these earthly kings want to do to us and what they will do to us. So in verse 10, it says, okay, so Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. And he said, this is what the king who will reign over you will do. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and his attendants. Your men servants and maid servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys, he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. And when that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen and the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refuse to listen. After all that, they say, no, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and to fight our battles. See, we'll take the oppression. We'll take all of that. We just want to have what the world has. We'll take all the abuse. As long as he will give us security, as long as we can be similar, as long as we can have comfort and space in this world, which of course is the very thing that the king of kings won't offer. He doesn't come so we can have our space in this world. He comes so that we are strangers for another kingdom. That our home actually isn't this place any longer, that we're part of an otherworldly kingdom. And there's a part of us in our rebellion who cry, no, we want it now, we want it here. We want all that this world has to offer. And the king of kings says, well, I'll give you everything except that. In our effort to find this comfort and security, we remove his loving embrace. I mean, Jesus has his arms around us, caring for us, loving us, and we throw that off like it's a chain, like it's a fetter. No, thank you. I want to be king of my castle. I want to have it my way. And we read in Psalm 2 that Jesus is the king. He is the anointed one and laughs at any other idea because who we're talking about is the alpha and the omega, not the beta, not second, not third, but the first and the last. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who is above all. And we will serve a king. You know, Tim Keller, I actually uh, did uh, looked at some of his uh, sermons on this uh, and actually I'm borrowing a little bit from him because it's just so good but he, he, he says that whatever you must add to your life beyond Jesus to be happy that's your real king whatever you have to have to be happy beyond Jesus you found your king do you need to be successful to be happy behold your king success do you have to have perfect children well you've just found your king do you have to have control in order to be happy your king is before you. You need to have comfort. Now you've found your king. So I thought, okay, well, I'm laying some heavies here this week. And, and so I, I got to do a little heart searching. And, and, I, and I went before God and I was like, Lord, show me. Show me any shadow king, any of the little kings that I hold on to my life. And that's not a fun prayer. 
And I came before him, and, and I'll tell you, one of the things that I feel like he revealed to me is reputation. You have to have reputation to be happy. Behold your king, Carl. And now I want to encourage you just to try it. Now, it's not very fun. But come before him. Lord, what little kings do I hold on to? Because you were created to love and to serve a king. You will serve a king. You know, my uh, daughters, uh, one of the things uh, that uh, they know, I often would tell them, you can ask any of my adult daughters, I would say, you know, this, I just want you to understand, girls, this is not a democracy in our home right now. And if you ask them, like, what form of government do you have in your home, in your home growing up? They'll tell you, they'll roll their eyes, and they'll say, it was a benevolent dictatorship. <laughs> I, I said, this is a dictatorship. And, and you're lucky because I am a benevolent dictator who loves you, daughters. Listen, we are all going to serve under a king. The question is, what king? Who are you going to serve? We are created to serve and love and be underneath the king of kings. And he has given us the right to throw off the fetters, to throw off his loving embrace if we want to and be our own king. You know, one thing I've said uh, here a number of times is I believe that your fears reveal your idols. Those things that you're worrying about, really, they, they often reveal the things that you're worshiping, right? So if you stay awake at night, you're so afraid about the economy. Well, well Keller would say, well, then money's your king because you're afraid to lose it for it to be taken. Now, Chapman University, every uh, year in October, uh, they come and they do this uh, study, of an uh, annual study of all the fears of Americans. And here's the top five fears of Americans uh, this October, 2022. The first one, which is a very frightening thing, is corrupt government officials. That's our biggest fear. The second one is people I love becoming ill. That's frightening. The third greatest American fear right now is Russia using nuclear weapons. The fourth is pollution. And the fifth is economic collapse. Now, do you see the thread that's in all, every single one of those? Do you see what it is that we fear? Do you see what it is actually that we serve behind it? It's our way of life. We're afraid of losing what we have, aren't we? I'm afraid of losing my health. I'm afraid of losing my family as it is. I'm afraid of losing my economic status or just the comfort that I've had right now. I mean, really, when it comes down to it, our king is here. It's me. And I want to hold on to what I have and how I have it. And if you look at Matthew 19, we have a very different king and a very different opportunity. And Jesus said to his disciples, in Matthew 19, 28, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, at the very end, when the Son of Man, where is he going to be? Sitting on his glorious throne, reigning as king. You who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. See, Jesus has an amazing kingdom for us and an amazing place underneath his rule, but we have to understand that it's not for this world. It's for the next world. And what an invitation that if we bend the knee before him now, willingly, that we will reign with him in heaven. Incredible. But here's the tragedy. Just like Saul, these little kings that you and I set up in our lives, 
They can't deliver. They didn't, you know, Saul, they wanted Saul to protect them from the Philistines. And he was killed by the Philistines. They don't provide the protection and the security we want. Our little kings, what they do is they take our hearts, they take our affections, they take all our work and attention, but they don't give us what we really desire and what we hope for. In Matthew 10, 39, Jesus says, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And what an amazing twist to the plot that when we come and we serve the king of kings, that's where we find life, healing, wholeness. We will have a king. We will be in a kingdom. And I want you to understand that if you don't decide which king you will serve, that's a decision because the default is yourself in this world. And it's a decision to say, I'm going to come under heaven and I'm going to live for the heavenly kingdom where Christ is on the king, is on the throne, where Christ is my king. And I want to tell you, if Jesus isn't king of every little thing in our lives, he's not really king. If, if Jesus isn't king over every aspect of our lives, he's not really king. He's just an advisor. He's just someone we look to and say, well, help me with this, help me with that, but this thing I'm going to take. This thing I'm going to hold. Now, I want to encourage you. I know that it's a struggle. I know that it's a fight. But, but what it really is is to say, okay, now will I allow Jesus to be king of this? Will I allow Jesus to be king over my family? Will I allow him to be king over my desires? Will I allow him to be king over my heart? Can he be king? Yes, even of that. And I want to show you the difference between these worldly kings. When we're on the throne or, or we put the things of the world on the throne, the difference between this amazing kingdom that Jesus brings in. So I want to just verse by verse, I, want to, I just want to look at this uh, Samuel 8 and we'll start with verse 11. And we'll see what the worldly kings do. And so as he said, this is what the king who will reign over you will do. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses. And they will run in front of his chariots. See, the worldly king is going to make you serve. The things of this earth actually want to hold you captive. And the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is the exact opposite. He wants to set you free. I mean, think about it. What's the mantra of this world? What do you have to do? Earn it. Work for it. And what does Christ say? Receive it. Let me give it to you. You want what this world has? Well, you better work harder. You better play by its rules. And the question I have for you is which king are you and I? Who are we going to serve? Verse 12, some he will sign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will make your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. See, the world of king will say, now produce for me. And when we serve the kings of this world, we produce for them because what happens when we die? When it's all over, what you have left from all your striving and all your wealth and all your efforts for comfort? You depart, and the world keeps it all. But then Jesus, our King of Kings, has such a different way. He says that in Matthew 25, when we die, he says, Now well done, come in, you good and faithful servant. Enjoy your master's happiness. He puts us on thrones. 
So I'm going to share this with you. We get to be co-heirs with our king. It's an amazing thing that he brings us to. And the question I have for you is, which king will you serve? Verse 14, he will take the best of your fields and the vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain of your vintage and give it to his officials and his attendants. Your men servants and maid servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. See, the world of kings, this world will take the very best that you have to offer and it will leave you worse off. What is your reward for all your worry and all your striving? Lost sleep? Maybe an ulcer? You get to age a little bit faster? What's the benefit of your efforts to control what happens around you, to make it your way? Maybe hypertension is your gift that you receive, broken relationships, isolation. The king of kings, he receives your voluntary offering, your voluntary gifts, and then he blesses it back to you. God loves a cheerful giver, and a cheerful giver is full of more cheer. Life comes when we willingly serve. Joy comes, peace comes. Those who decide to bless others in Christ are blessed people. And then verse 18. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen, and the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. And the worldly kings will oppress us, and they will rob us. And when we realize it, it will be too late. And we will mourn all that's lost. Bonnie Wares has a book, and it's called The Top Five Regrets of Dying. And she went and she researched, and she asked many thousands of people, what do you wish you would have done differently in your life? And she came up with a list of the five greatest regrets that people have right before they die. And the first one is, well, I wish I would have had the courage to live a life true to myself instead of what others had expected. The second one is, I wish I wouldn't have worked so hard. The third one is, I wish I had the courage to express my real feelings. The fourth one is, I wish I would have stayed in touch with my friends. And the fifth is, I wish I would have let myself be happier. And I just want to give you a warning, and me a warning, just like Samuel gave the people a warning. And that is, if we serve these little kings throughout our life, if there's areas in our life where we won't let Jesus have lordship, when it is all over and we get to the end, we will die with a sigh of regret. I wish. And I look at my life right now, and you know what I wish? I wish I would have just trusted God more. You know, I look at my previous years, I wish I, wish I just would have yielded more. I wish I would have obeyed more and said yes more. I wish I would have just enjoyed Jesus more. I wish I would have just sat at the feet of Jesus more and walked with him more and adored him more and praised him more. I wish I would have just been in him completely more. That's my great regret. And so for the the remaining years that I have, my heart is, oh Lord, be Lord and King over all that I have all that I have. See, see, the lordship of Jesus, the kingship of Jesus, it is a moment-by-moment struggle. It's a moment-by-moment choice. Is he going to be king of this moment? Is he going to be king of this day? Is he going to be king of this attitude? 
And that we're never forced into obedience by our king. But such regret we will have if we get to the end and we say, you know, I was always really the king. In that area, the truth is I was on the throne. Such life we'll miss out on. Such joy, such power, such fellowship and connection. And I'll tell you what I want. What I want is I want to obey and I want to be with him and connected with him in every moment, in all things, at all times. So I could look back and I say, okay, I served my Lord and I did what I was called to do with this life. You know one of the hard parts for me to bring over to the Lordship of Christ right now is my me time. Anybody have me time? I love me time. Right? And that's when, uh, when Naya's in bed and, and everybody's in bed. But you know what I do with me time? As I sit in front of the TV like this, I go. And then I fall asleep. I don't know why I look forward to it so much. I mean, me time lasts about 10 minutes and then I'm out. A great me time, right? Am I ready to submit that to the Lord? Listen, what's difficult to you? I really, I mean, search your heart. What are these places that you're not turning over to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? We all have them. God, you can have everything but, and that one but, that's the place that has to go. It's like the rich young ruler. Jesus says, you got it all. You've got it all figured out. But one little thing, you got to sell everything. And you got to turn from money because money is your king. Money is your Lord. And if he were to come to you and if he were come to come to me and he would say, oh, he would look at you just like he did the rich young ruler. He would look at you and he would love you. He would look at you with such love and he sees your heart. But what, is he, what would he say? Well, here's the one thing that you lack. Can you submit that to his lordship? And I know you're afraid that he's going to take it away. And you know what? It's possible that he may for a time. But the truth is, is if you submit it to, it, to him, I, I have found that he often gives it back to you and he gives it to you better. Instead of being a thing that controls you and rules over you, it's a thing that brings life. What's your king? Do your relationships? Does he have lordship over your relationships? Does he, have relation, does he have lordship over your longings, your desires, and your needs? Or are you going to sit on the throne and say, no, I'm going to take care of these the way I want to take care of them? Are you submitted to the king of kings? Which king will you serve? Yeah, another thing that uh, Tim Keller uh, said, he said that if you say, I pray and I pray and look what it got me. I've been serving Jesus and I've got nothing but trouble from it. Keller would say, it shows that you never really wanted Jesus in the first place. If you say that, it shows actually you wanted what Jesus would give you instead of him. See, is Jesus your king or is he just your consultant? Kind of get the things that you want out of life. And if he is your king, then he is your goal. If he is your king, then he is your reason and he is your master and he is the final voice and the final word and he is your great pursuit. A consultant just helps us get us what we want. And again, I ask you, which king will we serve? Because we serve the king of kings who is supremely capable. Listen, if he can't do it, he's not really king, right? He's not just king, but he is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. There's no one greater. There's no one more deserving of our worship and our heart. And I want to challenge us as we come into this Christmas time and we see the little image of, of the baby Jesus. And that is how he came to remember what's behind that and who he really is and to put him back on the throne. That if he is your king, he has the right to lead you anywhere. If he is your king, 
he has the place to ask anything of you. If he is your king, he can take you through any valley and he can take you to any mountaintop. If he is your king, he can challenge any attitude. He could confront any sin in your heart. He can bring any conviction that he wants. If he is your king, he could call you into any ministry. He could bring you into any mission and he could take you into any uncomfortable work, no matter how uncomfortable it is. If he is our king, he can require any sacrifice if he is our king. Is he your consultant? Or is he your king? I want to show you your king. I'm going to read here in Revelation, and I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes. As I give you a picture of our king, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would open our eyes, God. I ask, God, that you would give us a little glimpse of who you really are. Lord, that you would give us a glimpse of heaven. God, that as we look at this, we can see, God, who you are and what you've done. And just keep your eyes closed. And it says, his head and his hair were white like wool. Now, it's not because he's old. It's because he's full and he's radiant and there's glory surrounding him. As white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire. Behold your king. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Hear the power in his words. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid, while the heart of your king I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death, and I hold the keys of Hades. No matter what you decide, he will be proven king. No matter who you serve, he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the great I am. And every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And there's two ways it's going to happen. And one way is that we do it now. And we submit to him willingly. And then when he comes into his glory, we will be on our knees again, but with thankfulness and gratitude and celebration and joy. And the other way is that when he comes into his glory, if we don't submit to him now and kneel before him now, we will kneel at that moment in terror and regret of, oh, why didn't I serve the king? Oh, why didn't I bow my knees before the king? And how wonderful that our king, the true king, the only king is good and he is kind and he is for us, and he's interested in us, and he wants to raise us up and bring us into his kingdom to set us on thrones that we may rule and reign with him. And how I long for the day when his kingdom is revealed to all mankind, and it will be revealed. How I long for the day when we all see the king for who he truly is, when we all gather before his throne and we give him praise 
We kneel before him, lifting him high. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the great one who died for us. How I long for the day we will be there. And I want to submit my life to him right now. I want to kneel before him right now in everything that I do, in all that I am, so that I can just praise him all the more as an offering here today and an offering on that day when he comes into his glorious kingdom. So let's stand right now and let's give praise to our glorious king. Let's lift up the great one our Lord. And so, Lord Jesus, we just lift you high right now. Lord, we, we give all glory to you. We say, all hail the name of Jesus. All hail the King of glory. Lord, we bow the knee and we bow our hearts. And Lord, reveal to us, Lord, reveal our little kings and our little kingdoms that we chase after. You are the great one, Lord. You are the Messiah, Messiah, the Holy One, the Anointed One. And you are on your throne, Lord. We thank you for inviting us in. And we give you the praise that you deserve. And we put you back on the throne in our lives, in our hearts, in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.